0: We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at Blake Seven, the episode Stardrive. The Scorpio has problems. It's terribly slow, and its engines are old and need supplies that they don't have. Supplies that are only available on Federation planets. That presents a problem because, as I said, the Scorpio is slow. It even hatches a daring read crazy plan, they will bring the Scorpio within 50 yards of an asteroid passing through a solar system. They will use the asteroid's shadow to hide from detection entering the system, collect the needed materials, and use the asteroid as it leaves the system, too. Just one problem. That plan is crazy, and the Scorpio collides with the asteroid, barely making it away in mostly one piece. The troubles don't end there, though. The engines need a part replaced before they can go anywhere, but the engine compartment isn't pressurized. Oh, and there's a squadron of Federation pursuit ships coming dangerously close to them. Villa suggests that a force wall could be used to pressurize the engine compartment, allowing Avon and Tarrant to affect the repairs. It almost works, but the pursuit ships are getting too close. And then suddenly they explode allowing the Scorpio to return to base. Analysis of the recording of the exploding ships reveals that a small space hopper blasted through and destroyed the pursuit ships at an unbelievable standard by 12.6 in real space, something that should be impossible. Clearly, Dr. Plaxton, formerly a Federation engineering designer, has perfected the photonic drive, a.k.a. the star drive. Also, clearly, she is not working for the Federation anymore. They track her down to the planet of the Space Rats, a nasty, brutish version of a punk rock motorcycle gang. Plaxton is working for them, but he's increasingly unhappy with the arrangement. After much rambling around, Avon and the gang manage to spring her and the photonic drive. Their luck doesn't hold, and three more pursuit ships are on an intercept course. Dr. Plaxton, using the force wall air bubble, installs the photonic drive in the Scorpio. But the pursuit ships launch plasma bolts. Avon prematurely activates the drive, causing it to fire instantly when Dr. Plaxton makes the final connection. The Scorpio easily escapes. But what about Dr. Plaxton? Asks Dana. Who? Replies Avon. So, Star Drive. Star Drive. Jim Foley. Yeah.
1: Who, uh... Uh, I, I know you're going to ask me um, – so what do I think of this? So let me tell – let me let me go ahead and just say this.
0: Yes, okay. by Jim
1: Fillet, who also wrote mm-hmm. Dawn of the mm-hmm. Gods. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is going to suck. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the first sentence in my notes.
0: It seems like there was a couple things I liked about Dawn of the Gods, but um, not much. Very little. <laughs> very, very little. Um well, one thing I'll point out, though, since we've gone to the Dawn of the Gods Comparafall, well. that was an episode where I felt that Tarrant was behaving ridiculously weird. Avon wants to save himself. Tarrant prevents Avon from trying to escape because we should all die together kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. That, was, that was that episode. And um, in this episode, I noticed that Tarrant was basically a yes man for Avon. Yeah, I guess he was, yeah. You know, it was Sulin, it was Dana, it was Villa that were all like, we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing this. Never a bit of complaint from Tarrant. He was just doing what Avon told him. And I thought that was kind of uh, a little bit out of character, frankly. But um, I think that in this case, we were supposed to believe that, crazy plan or not, Avon's right, they had to get those materials, and Tarrant, the pilot, knows that.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I can sort of see that.
0: And you know, he probably has the arrogance to think that he can actually um that he can actually do that anyway. You know, hey, I'm the hotshot pilot. I can I can handle this. So, uh I it's the only way I could go along with it, but anyway. Yeah, it's not a it's not a great episode.
1: No. I want to touch on something uh that kept Bothering me, I remember it kind of pestered me a little bit when I saw this episode for the first time, and this is only the second time I've seen it. Uh, I remember it bothered me when I saw it way back in nineteen. Ooh, I want to say is eighty nine or ninety, uh, and and it really bothered me again when I watched it Sunday last Sunday. And that's the by the the, the way in which they measure how fast they're going. Now you uh-huh. said something interesting. Uh-huh. You said standard by. Um, standard by 12 in real space. Now, uh-huh. that's not what they said in the episode. They say real time. I'm sorry, real time. You're right. You're right. And I'm trying to figure out what's that supposed to mean and how's that different than Liberator going standard by 10.
0: Okay. I mean, well, real
1: time this is the first time we've heard anything about real no, time no, that no, I remember.
0: No, no. Well, okay. Yes and no. Because um, somewhere in this episode, we also hear them refer so th- there's some stuff about speed in this episode that that was disturbing to me one was the standard by 12 okay so they called it standard by 12 which heretofore has been exclusively for the liberator right everyone else is time distort which is the opposite of real time so, so like some kind of a space warp then space warp this is un space warped. And, and you're right, it was real time. I said real space, but that was, you're right, it was real time. And um, so now I'm wondering, did the Liberator fly in real time, and the Federation ships fly in time distort time? And that was the distinction between the two, because this time it appeared that the engine was doing the equivalent of time distort 12, which we also measured as the equivalent of standard by 12. So this is the first time time distort and standard by matched,
1: hmm.
0: and I, I I mean we're probably just sort of spitting in the wind wasn't <laughs> what I was thinking of, but um, in trying to find some consistency in the way they've used speeds in this story, but I know that's all su- such a folly. It idea. is. It, it is such a folly. But yes. This is something different. And I... Why? Okay? Why is the question. Yeah. Why couldn't it just be doing Time Distort 12?
1: Well, Yeah, exactly.
0: Why, why make the big deal about it being in real time, which is impossible, if that's not going to be a plot point somewhere along the way?
1: Hmm. Well, I remember it does get referenced in... Upcoming episodes. Uh, pro- I'm going to guess the probably the next one. Uh, it, it's it, it gets referenced with um, shock, maybe a little bit of a incredulity. Well, how fast the thing's going? Yeah, I mean, it's like I that. No way, it, it can't be going that fast. You know, yeah, well, it is going that fast. So I remember there is some discussion about that, uh, and that's all I recall about how fast Scorpio finally able to. You know, Scorpio's speed now that it has this engine, Uh, but aside from that, it it just seems like such a very bizarre uh, uh, differentiating from Liberator, that I I just cannot really wrap my head around it.
0: Yeah, and it's probably faster than the Liberator. No, it's... you know Well, that's kind of hard to... The Mark II engine was doing Time Distort 15. hmm. It was 12 on the Space Hoppers with the little ones, so they were doing the equivalent of Time Distort 12 or Time to start 15 in the lab, which would imply that perhaps the Scorpio can now do that
1: possibly i don't know it, so, it's although I keep thinking back to the very first time Blake, Jenna, and Avon ended up on Liberator, and that ship took off, and it looked like it they were pulling some
0: massive G's, which we never see again. More than that, it was doing some sort of space warping thing. I think too, but I we were led to impression. believe that. We, yeah, we were led to believe
1: that it was going like, oh my god, fast.
0: Yeah, it traveled months worth of distance in minutes, and uh, yeah, yeah, and they never really did that again.
1: No, gee, so, what a night! Wow, why do they do that? Mm-hmm. Why introduce something and then never go back to it? Gee, I hope they don't ever do that again. Um, don't make don't yeah. make a pattern out of it.
0: <laughs> well. So I don't know. I, I honestly don't remember anything further about the fact that the Scorpios in in real time, as opposed to time distort, because that's never been an issue in the past. I mean, one's doing this speed and in the TDS, and one's doing this speed in the STDs, and 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 they seem to have no problem fighting or dealing with each other on a reality basis of battling. So. Um, it's not like they're in alternate dimensions or ones in hyperspace or anything like that. It just seems to be different nomenclature. So I don't see that as being a, a deal, and yet they make a big deal of it. And here's another one they make a big deal out of in this episode that makes no sense whatsoever to me. The leader of the Space Rats. Mm. I know we're jumping ahead here, but, but I'll, I'll just mention it Yeah. He says at one point to Dr. Plaxen I am not a space rat, right? But they let me stay on because uh, I give them what they want. Yeah, so, why are why? you not a space rat? Yeah, uh, what, what what was that line all about? Yeah, why give us
1: that kind of uh, you know red herring type of because that's that's what it turned out to be. It was nothing? It was just a red herring line. I actually, doesn't even qualify for that. It's just it's just a complete throwaway. It it served no purpose at all. Why? I mean, except to. Again, uh, differentiate him from the rest of the space rats. Maybe to kind of imply that he was a he might be a tiny bit more cooperative than the rest of those thugs,
0: or ambitious. Yeah, or I, I don't know. But it was you know without giving us any information, it's like well I'm not a I'm not a space rat because I haven't been a lobotomized, or I'm not a space rat because I. Don't come from planet Praxis 347 or whatever, whatever it is that made him not a space rat. The fact is he was dressed like a space rat. He oh, was yeah. tattooed up like a space rat and he was uh, treating the women like a space rat. And uh, I mean, the space rats were doing what he said. You're a space rat, dude. I mean, space rat is hey, what space rat does. You know,
1: if if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a space rat. Exactly. <laughs> So,
0: you know, but, okay, no, I think, well, I don't know, maybe they just needed a scene. Because, (laughs) again, ORAC, oh, you haven't noticed the obvious in that video. So, I'm not going to tell you, you guys have to spend your hours clicking through frame by frame, watching the video to find out what's going on. Yeah, that's a nice, clever bit of padding. And the weird part about it was, it wasn't very long. Not really. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, they Avon starts it off and says, all right, you start, Dana. And it's like, Ugh. and you know, Dana looks for a while, and then we cut to in for a while. And in any other show, we'd have cut to Villa, and then we'd have cut to Tarrant, or maybe Avon, and then to Tarrant. And it would be, it would go through all of them, except for the last person in the Liberator crew would find the thing. And... They didn't. They just did Dana and then Sulin started and, oh, here it is. Okay. Like, it wasn't even much padding. Mm. It was just, it's like, oh, all right. Well, why not just have Dana find it then? (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know, it was just kind of, uh, maybe it was to give them lines. Maybe, oh, that's it. They're still feeling bad about Jenna and Callie. Oh, is that it? This is guilt. This is, this is empowerment. That's what we've got going here. This This is is writer's, it's writer's guilt. Well, let's face it, after Dawn of the Gods, Jim Fillet should have some writer's guilt for everything he's done for us, or not, as the case may be. Um, We talked about this before. Story arc. Yeah. Here we are again. The Scorpio is being uprated to be a match for the Liberator. Pretty much, yeah. You know, it's got the supercomputer on board it now. Um, it's got teleport. Now it's got, it's the fastest ship out there. And, you know, no one else is going to get um, the photonic drive because Dr. Plaxton's dead. Um, you know, all they need is some weapons, and I don't think they have any.
1: No, the ship it has no
0: armaments that I know of. And wouldn't Not this week it would. Not this week. <laughs> Not this week. Good point. Uh, neutron blasters. Oh, wait. No. Yeah. So, um yeah i I unless we get unless we get weaponry next week, um I think we've pretty much kitted this ship up, yeah, okay, this one is this was gonna be a tough episode, but let's see what we can find to talk about, oh dear, um Avon okay, we've kind of mentioned it, but this episode very much continues that. Avon is not sane. he's standing there wide-eyed immobile until the instant he has to respond or speak it's it's as if he's shutting down Hmm. when he's not and of course even when he's talking he's got quite the quite the the mania to him almost i mean it's a quiet mania but this is not bode well um this does not bode well for the crew, for him. Um, but I, on top of that, I don't like it, and I, I know I shouldn't enjoy his um, descent into madness. But his character loses something that made the character entertaining.
1: And yet, I remember hearing, and and you and I had had you know before years before we started doing uh, this podcast uh, we would have the occasional conversation about Blake 7 and we were both of the consensus that it was so much better when it was quote unquote Avon 7 and now that we're kind of like looking at under a magnifying glass, I find the characterization of Avon you know ever since he's taken over I mean I you're right there's this really weird descent I wouldn't call it um, necessarily, uh, something that uh, a, a long a long game in terms of characterization development, I think it's a matter of they don't know how to write the guy.
0: Okay, um, we're, we're now in the fourth series, so we can talk a little bit about third series. Um, when Blake left, there had been some different ideas as to what to do. So, for example, um, Del Grant... Back in Countdown, mm-hmm. Anna Grant's brother was considered for a replacement for Blake. Um, there was an actual possibility that they were going to write Blake out in that episode. Really? Mm-hmm. And have Del Grant come in because he's a freedom fighter still, although more of a mercenary, mm-hmm. but he's already got an adversarial edge with Avon. With Avon, exactly. And, uh, and, and you know, a competent leader of men. That's why they were showing him off as a guy who could come in and stage Planetary Assault. And then, so that was, that was one thing they were thinking about, because they were not thinking that Avon, even though he was popular, could lead this group because of his attitudes, that he is a foil more than he is a hero. When they decided not to do that, for whatever reason they decided not to do that, when they brought in Tarrant... They were also thinking that Tarrant was going to take the place of oh, pl- the yes, hero.
1: Absolutely, he was. A, there's no question about it. All you had, I mean, from the first time you see him, I mean, it's it's clear to anybody. Oh, this this guy's going to be Blake's. You know, he'll Paul be Blake Darrow, version number
0: two. Paul Darrow pushed to be a little bit more, which is one of the reasons that Tarrant was written so inconsistently. Was he there to be the foil to Avon or was he there to be the replacement for Blake? Um, they they weren't really knowing. And the the people making the show were not convinced that we would watch a show with the the rotten SOB that Avon was supposedly uh, as the lead. Which is why suddenly he's like, no, nah, don't kill him. Or kiss Servalan or whatever it was that we commented on these behaviors, particularly that now don't kill him, you know, just scare him off kind of stuff that he had never, ever, ever shown mm-hmm. any inkling to do him before. No. And that was because of this um, indecision on behalf of the, the network execs. Um, it's not a secret either that he didn't like that <laughs> and that he pushed very hard for Avon to be, more More Avonish? More Avonish in series four. We got and a little bit that would, of that. I think that would be fine, except that I don't think they're doing it right. Or, no. or I don't know who to blame. I don't know whether it's it's his acting or, you know, his interpretation in his mind. It's like okay, Avon's in this space now and he's he doesn't have to answer to anyone, and so he doesn't answer to anyone. He doesn't talk, he doesn't do anything, he just stares off into space until Interaction time, uh, or he's being and he's 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 rotten in this episode. I mean, he, he sends Dana basically sends Dana and Villa oh, down bait. potentially to die. Yeah, they're yeah. bait, and um, you know you wonder if Sulin would put a bullet in his back of his head for that because I don't know that I would trust her if I was letting her know that I've just sent them off to their death uh, and tricked them into it, and you know. But again, Terrence's just like. Meh.
1: Yeah, terrible. Taren-
0: see, he was yeah, nothing in this Oh, he was
1: he he was a cipher mm-hmm. in this one completely. And as far as Avon's uh this this bizarre interpretation of emotional detachment, I mean I could see him be that way to somebody he's just met. But even he has admitted that, you know, someone like Villa has has a use. Mm-hmm. -hmm. And I, I, I'm convinced he would feel the same way about Dana as well. So for him to just you know like offer them up as as sacrificial lambs just so they can get this engine, it no, it does not fit. If it, I mean, I get what happened at the end when Mm -hmm. yeah, well yeah, yeah, with the doctor, I get that calculated, calculated. It was very calculated, and uh, he he had no choice. I, I see that one. That one didn't bother me. In fact, I, in, in a really sick sort of way, I kind of liked it mm-hmm. because it felt more like a reminder of the Avon that we had in series one and two. But throughout the rest of this episode, no. It's, it's like I kind of get the feeling that the writers were trying to – I mean, okay, so you say that Paul Dare was pushing back that he really wanted to kind of see a return to what Avon used to be. But at the same time, he has become the de facto leader of this group, and it seems like that they're trying to write some of um, – I i wouldn't even call it Blake's idealism. It's more like Blake's obsession as Blake mm-hmm. descended into madness towards the end of his tenure. Yeah. We're seeing – we're definitely seeing – yeah, we're seeing whatever insanity – that, that Blake was carrying. I mean, the writers just just picked that up and just dropped it right into Avon's character, and now they're trying to bring back that that cold, calculating, pragmatic Avon, but the, the two personality styles that they're writing will not work together. And
0: the thing is, Avon was more of a person in the first two series. Yeah. Even, though, even though he was, um, you know, he talked the game, he talked the detached game, and he acted the detached game. It's clear that he wasn't. You know, it, it's, like when, it's like when Leonard Nimoy used to describe Mr. Spock. The fun part of playing the part was not because Spock had no emotions. It was because Spock had had, all the had the
1: emotions and was trying to squash and them was down. Trying to
0: squash them, yeah. and and that's exactly what Avon was in the first two series. Although you know, maybe he didn't realize he was trying to do that, but he definitely was a person underneath that. There was a, there was a sense of humor, and it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just sniping, uh, although it obviously could be. And there was uh, you know loyalty, and there was. Uh, even sometimes a sense of duty to his companions though not always but ask him the question and he would always give you the logical answer that said no this is what's going to happen even if that ultimately wasn't what happened and here it's the performance to me reminds me of um oh can I give an can I give a good example of this okay how about um Wow. John Saxon in first season, Six Million Dollar Man.
1: Oh, um, was it a Day he, of the Robots? The robot.
0: Day of the Robots, yes. I, I, that may have been the first, the, the one that he was in the first, that they they kidnapped Steve's friend. Right. They put this robot in the place, and it was programmed to respond, but it sat there motionless unless you talked to it. Right. And then, you know, Steve would go, hey, how about some food? Okay, that sounds good. And, and then we'd go back into the science, And that's kind of what Avon's doing here. I mean, there's a little bit more to it. But there's, there's really this just, you know, prop, stand him in the corner until you need him kind of feel to it. And it, it's not right. Um, and it's not good. Anyway, uh, we beat, we beat Avon to death here. <laughs> in this um, but he but had yes, it, he in had the it end, coming. In the end, the final scene with Dr. Plaxton, killing her. You're right. It was that was the time when he needed to do that thing. He had to sacrifice her because she would die either way. Mhm.
1: Either die with the whole crew or die on Blake her own. Blake would not have. Blake,
0: Blake would have, have. No, he would have found some way to save her life. And of course, and then that, that is the annoying part of of television is that Blake would have found a way. And so It would have been a cheat. Yeah, but but I don't think they found a way. I don't
1: know if they would have written it with that kind of finality, though. Um, They probably would have found some really weird, you know. Yeah, the 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 odds are ninety nine point nine 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 percent it's going to hit. But if you do this one really stupid thing, okay, I'm going to do that stupid thing. But she no, it's suicide.
0: You know, she still would have died, but she would have died from something else because they had to get rid of the character so that they couldn't make any more photonic drives. right? uh, And there couldn't be any more in the universe. But, you know, Blake would have done something that would have saved her temporarily so that the hero uh, could win. And, you know, Series 3, Avon might have too. Possibly. Early, yeah, early uh, Series 3. But this one is Avon talking the talk and walking the walk of, of who Avon has always said he is, even though... Say. we have our doubts so uh, you know he had to do it it's it was the right answer um, for the rest of them and you can argue it's for the rest of them or for himself but either way okay Villa <sighs> I'm curious what you think of Villa in this one because I know you, you, you're hot and cold on Villa from time to time well, mostly cold uh,
1: but- <laughs> uh, I wrote one sentence well actually um, no I wrote two this is what I wrote Can I shoot Villa now? Once again, we have the bumbling, inept Villa, whose sole contribution to the show is his ability to annoy everyone
0: within the sound of his voice. Except he saved all of them
1: Hmm. with
0: the force wall idea. Yeah. And he did that very cleverly. It it was. I will give him
1: props for that. Yes, because I wrote that sentence before he pulled that little trick.
0: So for the for the audience, I didn't. It wasn't in the recap. Villa. So the, the, the Scorpio, unlike the Liberator, only the flight deck is pressurized. They had already mentioned that once before in the series. It's it's a different kind of ship. The motors, the engines, are in the back, and you can't get to them in flight unless you're in a spacesuit. And if you're in a spacesuit, you can't work on them because you can't do job. And they're going to die. <laughs> it's like they're going to die in space. So Villa, who you know. We could expect to have a bottle, comes drunkenly slobbering into the edge, disgusting everyone with his drunkenness, and he recounts this thing about life flashing and about how this time he was on this ship when those old guys had to effect a repair and they'd use the force wall to create a pressurized area so that they could go in and work without the suits. And, you know, Tarrant and Avon are like, fingers snapped and and then they go off and do it and as soon as they're out of sight they make a crack the, the women make a crack at uh, Villa about being a drunken sod and he says well if I could get drunk on this bottle of water I would and and they said what, what do you mean you were pretending to be drunk because nobody asks a drunk guy to go out and stand in a forest wall of space so I mean he had the answer he calculated a way to get the job done save his life and not have to go and not do 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 it himself it was clever you know that is showing villa that we're supposed to think is going on there the the delta grade the delta grade thief who has a much higher intelligence than he lets people know who bought his grades so he could be a delta grade and um yeah so that part was okay his drunk acting, a little bit. Um, but I guess, you know, he wasn't really drunk, so...
1: No, he was just being... It, it's it's that cowardice that, that oh, yeah, creeps was... in. But I will give him credit in that this was the most ingenious
0: way of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that Dana and Su Lin uh, went along with it. Because later on, when they're working on the engine, Aaron, uh, Avon and Tarrant uh one of them says to the to Danis, and see if you can get Villa sobered up so he can come help us. And I think it's Danis. He says, all right, we'll see what we can do. And obviously they are, at this point already know that Villa is Oh, yeah, drunk, they know that he's wrong. Oh,
1: yeah, he's already and they spilled the beans. they don't No, because they know that he has no intention of going out.
0: Yeah. And because I think they respected his, um, his cleverness there. It's like, you know something? Yeah. You win it. You don't have to go out. However, why couldn't Dana or Sulin go out and help? I mean, if they needed an extra pair of hands, Unless they, they had f- hands.
1: Unless they felt they needed two people inside the ship who were sober.
0: Mm. So, let's see. Is there anything else?
1: I hated the space rats. I mean, there was something about them that felt more, just, just beyond cliche. I mean, they were just, uh, oh, what's the stupid. word? Well, they, they were terribly stupid. Uh, but they felt like just the worst stereotypes with the language and the behavior. I mean, it, they they really they, there there was no depth, nothing about them. Atlan was the only one who had maybe something going on, but the others. I mean, th- there was nothing even fully realized about them. I mean, they were just they were just
0: irritating. I, I would love to see the the script and how they were. Portrayed because obviously they 're a biker gang, oh yeah i mean that 's that was what they were going for and and that 's kind of interesting because you know the biker gang is really an american thing it 's an American thing on tv shows i mean every show has got their biker gang episode or at least up through the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. every show had the episode where they came up against the biker gang because they had those same actors who always needed to get the same jobs it, it to and so we have this stereotype of the biker gang which was probably sanitized compared to the real thing here in the united states to my knowledge that was not a phenomena in the UK, no, there's so they there's... are doing a pastiche off of oh, it's a bad the one. American bike. It's a bad gang. one, but but picture the script, right? These are a space motorcycle gang, and they ride fast bikes and fast spaceships and fast women, and and they're decadent and they're they're va, right? You could put that in there, and you could put them in leather jackets and tattoos and ears piercings and and whatnot. And they wouldn't have been as bad as what we got, which was, I think, the costume designer saw, oh, let's see, what can I do here? Hey, you know what's popular right now? Punk rock. Yeah. This is the right time in Britain for their counterculture people to be punkers. And so they juxtaposed punk rock on a motorcycle gang, and then turned it up to Liberace Eleven, <laughs> with with the colors and the sparklies and the the face painting and the,
1: shower the, the, curtains.
0: Shower curtains. The two the, who
1: were the two who were in uh, the lab with Doctor
0: Plaxton were, yep, were wearing yep. shower curtains. Yes, they were. And you know the punk here it was like six foot high, and and then. Combine that with the impracticality of Blake 7's uh, props department, they got, you know, a moon buggy from space 1999. Moon buggies
1: or, or quad bikes.
0: And, and those, yeah, those those little free-wheeled stupid bikes that we saw in Day of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. The doctor being chased by Ogrons on this thing, which, you know, you cannot convince me that that's faster than walking. No, they, it, they just don't look it. They, right? Yeah. Yeah, but who so they, who knew at the time? All of that conspired. All, all of that conspired that, that the concept of them, had they been realized differently, wouldn't have been great, could have been a lot better than it was based on what they were given. Everything about them made them a joke. The costumes, the hair, the bikes, everything made them a joke. But everything that was said about them made them sound like they were a real menace. Yeah. And you couldn't take them that way. No, they and came
1: I, off as uh, – Nothing I mean, they were worse than just caricatures and, and even Atlan, who had more development than anybody else, was just so melodramatically over the top. It, it it made them utterly comical. And I I just couldn't see anything threatening about them. I mean, laughable, yes, but threatening, no.
0: And yet we're supposed to believe that these guys are really, really scary because Villa's scared of them. And so Villa's uh, scared
1: of his own shadow.
0: You know, Villa's scared of his own shadow and yet the way the dialogue was played out, I got the impression that Villa was really scared of them—not just standard Villa scared of them. That this was actually above and beyond, possibly. But again, again, then you then you put those guys down there with a you know a broom on their head and you shower curtain, and you, you have a hard time taking them seriously. Yeah. So, um. We have – oh, yeah, there was actually um, – there was something. Um, Orak at one point says he's looking at the video of the three spaceships that get destroyed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he won't tell them why the spaceships get destroyed. He makes them look through it. But he does tell them that there's some obvious things. And that one is that that's a new design of Pursuit ship, that it means that they've gotten their um, base – and I can't remember which one it was, but they've gotten their their spaceship – Um, building base back up to speed faster than he had anticipated, which, you know, is kind of funny considering that ORAC's supposed to be able to make super predictions based on uh, incredibly accurate information. Uh, and And that they have lost their primary engine designer, which is obviously Dr. Plaxton. That, well, one, feels like it ought to go somewhere, which it really doesn't. Later on, though, when we see Dr. Plaxton, uh, they say that she's been there for, I think it was three years. Roughly. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right, yeah. But it sounded like, from Orak's description, and maybe I'm reading something into it, that the base was damaged, destroyed, or collapsed in the Federation's collapse.
1: Hmm. Which
0: has only been a year ago. And I kind of got the impression that Dr. Plaxton's been out. So I was just wondering if they were playing fast and loose with time here. Or whether it's just a stupid mistake. I'd need to watch that again. I don't remember that. Well, after you do, let me know um, what you think about that. When yeah. you watch it again. Yeah,
1: because just- yeah, I can't wait I'll, to watch this episode it. again.
0: Got <laughs> um, Anything else?
1: Um, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, the only thing – the only last thought that I've got is how I remember this episode being so much better when I when I last watched it, which was my first time. But,
0: God, did this not hold up? You know, I think that this episode holds up because – well, it does not hold up, but that maybe you think it holds up because the last line makes it. Maybe. As, that's maybe. like That's what you walk away from this going like –
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's possible. The rest of
0: it was, yeah, not, not, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was casual. I I was just watching it to enjoy it back then. And the last thing I remember was the very ending. And, uh, but now looking at all of it, it just really, it, it's what I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, beginning of the show. Um, it sucks. I mean, it's, it's just not a good story.
0: Well, then, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but next week's episode that we'll be looking at will be Animals by Alan Pryor. Oh, dear. And I'll give you his prior crimes Horizon, Hostage. Oh, dear. The Keeper.
1: Oh, no.
0: Volcano. <laughs> oh, man can this get more depressing well at least there are no more episodes by um by what's his name yeah (laughs) the guy I'm going to try to put out of my mind Ben Steed damn (laughs) (laughs) fail fail. Fail. all right Ben thank you for joining me oh it was a joy (laughs) Lester's I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol cheers Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us, please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com fusionpatrol fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf